The Garden Question is a podcast for people that love designing, building, and growing smarter gardens that work. Listen in as we talk with successful garden designers, builders, and growers, discovering their stories along with how they think, work, and grow. This is your next step in creating a beautiful, year-round, environmentally connected, low-maintenance, and healthy, thriving outdoor space. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an expert, there will always be something inspiring when you listen to the Garden Question podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Craig McManus. Trees aren't just for beauty anymore. They provide your community with measurable health, financial, and environmental values. This is episode 54, Trees, Your Ultimate Win-Win, with Susan Russell. Susan is an ISA certified arborist that is on a mission to balance the challenges facing today's tree canopies. Through her work with the Georgia Forestry Commission Urban Forest Program, Susan assists communities facing the challenges in protecting, maintaining, and increasing community tree canopies. In her work, she assists local cities with managing the urban forest, public education, tree ordinances, tree protection, and commercial development planning. She also develops initiatives to encourage tree planting on private land and training tree management best practices. Susan also assists cities in identifying potential problem trees that might hamper first responders during weather events. As an instructor, she teaches arborist certification prep classes to the Georgia Electric Membership Corporation linemen and right-of-way workers. Our conversation with Susan Russell after this. You're invited to engage with us on Instagram at the Garden Question Podcast. If you'd like to email me directly, the address is question at thegardenquestion.com. That's question at thegardenquestion.com. Please remember, your ratings and reviews are always appreciated. Susan, what is a tree canopy? Tree canopy is looking aerially how much of your community appears to be covered by trees. That is tree canopy. It is a mechanism by which we recoup environmental as well as financial values to everybody in the community because of the leaves on the trees. We often think of the trees in our own space. Why should we value trees across our whole community? The entire community benefits from trees, whether they are ours, whether they are public trees, or whether they are neighbors' trees. We all benefit from whatever coverage we have here in the community. We are going past the point where trees are simply for beautification. Every tree should have a job, and every tree works together to bring the financial and environmental benefits to our community. I know you're talking about we're beyond beauty, but why do you think we're drawn to trees as an individual? We have all of the good things like shade and beautification, and they're calming. It gets people outside. It helps our mental health. It raises our property values. So there are a lot of good things that go along with trees. Most people think about it as beautification, but they don't necessarily understand all of the financial and environmental benefits that come with trees. So it's kind of a feel-good thing, but we need to go beyond that. 
think you're right. The beautification is what we think of first. You spoke about the mental health side of it. You, could you expand on that any? Yes. Now, as we have iTree software, which can really measure a lot of these benefits, we find out that children who go out and play or who can see trees during school learn better. People in a hospital who are recovering from surgery, if they can see trees, they heal better. Even in the criminal justice system, if there are inmates who go out into the shade or can see trees, they're a little bit better behaved. In cities that have a great canopy, industry comes in and they find that their employees, if they can be exposed to trees or have canopy over where they're working, are less likely to call out sick to be out sick with their kids, and that the access to health services is decreased, as are their insurance premiums. Lots of good stuff. What are you seeing on the air quality? We now can run for any city or any municipality or any county an iTree report. The air quality numbers that we get will show you how many airborne pollutants the trees will uh, intercept. We can put a dollar figure on how much annually those trees will save in air quality management every year. The other thing is that people need to remember that trees are like silos. Now, I live in the country, so I understand grain silos. Grain comes in, it's held in the silo, you give it out to the cows, and then more grain comes in. And trees are the same way. They are holding within those trees an amazing amount of carbon dioxide. I think in Jefferson is probably about $4 million worth of carbon dioxide at any given time. That carbon dioxide stays within that tree until the tree is dying or is harvested, and then it starts getting released. If you look at what a tree takes in and what it gives out every year, that pales in comparison to what this canopy of trees holds within themselves at any given time. It's a benefit to the community then to keep up on their trees and promote tree growth. Absolutely. And I'm here on the I-85 corridor where we are seeing just tremendous growth. It is very important that we maintain those areas of trees because there's a whole lot more stuff that they're going to have to sequester. In addition to that, if you look at the industry that's coming in, we also have to look at water quality and stormwater. You're in, in Jefferson. That's a city northwest of Atlanta? I think it's about east of Athens, about 25 miles. I am on the I-85 corridor. I'm in Franklin County. Jefferson has done an amazing job of managing their growth so that they have balanced tree canopy with growth. The big challenges that we have right now coming up the I-85 corridor is we are all small towns and small counties. We don't have those ordinances in place to do what Jefferson has done. One of the things the Forestry Commission is really working on is getting those guys kind of up to snuff to protect what they have in light of this explosive growth. In that explosive growth, you see a lot of land clearing or what people would call clear-cutting, developing these properties for subdivisions and municipal maybe and in, in industrial growth, but it always just kind of hurts when I see forests just bulldoze over. 
How do you balance out that tree canopy that you lose and this growth that you're seeing where it's a win-win situation? Just kind of backtrack here a little bit. Site Magazine, which is an industrial kind of national magazine, published an article that said that in 2020, that Jefferson was number two in industrial development in the United States, second only to Finley, Ohio, and that Jefferson is the prow of the ship coming up the I-85 corridor. You have to kind of balance good ordinances. Jefferson has great ordinances. Developers, when they come in, usually know that there are going to be ordinances in some of our smaller counties, and we've had that here in Franklin County. They realize that we don't have good ordinances. So when they want to come in and do something which is harmful to the community or to the canopy, they say, well, you know, you don't have ordinances about that. We are working hard to get those ordinances in place. We know that we're going to lose canopy. I think it's important to have timber harvesting ordinances in place that say that if you just selectively clear cut your canopy because you think Target's going to come in and they might want your property, there needs to be a penalty of sorts to do that. And then there is a moratorium in most counties that say if you harvest timber without a development permit, you cannot get a development permit for five years. Jefferson went beyond that and they said it's five years unless your timber harvesting plan is done by a registered forest. Why does that matter? You will have more of a thinning. You'll get more timber than you would have gotten with a timber harvester. The other part of that is how do you get trees on private property? What Jefferson has done is they have had a tree sale going on twice a year for now 12 years. These trees are sold to anybody who wants to buy them at cost. It is not a moneymaker for the Jefferson Tree Council. It is a way to get trees on private property because everybody benefits from that canopy. In 2021, the Tree Council sold a thousand trees, which has the potential to put an additional 33 acres of canopy into Jefferson. Now, the city doesn't have to buy them, doesn't have to maintain them, doesn't have to accept liability. They're all on private property. And the other thing that Jefferson does is they will give you a credit on your utility bill if you plant trees, up to $40 twice a year, depending upon how many trees that you plant. We do want overstory, some medium canopy trees. It has been a huge incentive to the homeowner to increase our canopy by trees on private property. How do you follow up though and make sure that tree reaches maturity or is there a penalty if it doesn't? We're pretty loose about that. Most people are not going to buy a tree for 20 bucks so that they can get $5 back. So we find that our folks are pretty diligent and pretty proud of the trees that they plant. Not all are going to survive. We also encourage people to plant them for the grandkids as memorials. We tell them how much their property value will improve if they have trees. Because there's a neat little site called the National Tree Benefits Calculator. You can go in your own yard and maybe you have that sweet gum and you hate it because of sweet gum balls. Your wife loves it because of fall color. This actually happened. Guy said, you need to come out here and tell my wife that this tree is a nuisance and needs to go. We went to the tree benefits calculator and I put in this 24-inch sweet gum in his yard. And in the pie chart, it told us that that tree is putting $191 a year into his pocket. And you could also click on certain tabs and it would tell you even more about that tree. So we said, you know what? This is win-win. Your wife gets to keep the tree. It'll cost you 20 bucks a year to get the high school guy next 
next door, pick up those annoying sweet gum balls. We really promote the value of trees in yards, not just because they're beautiful, but because of what they're giving back to the homeowner. How would we find that calculator? Go online, National Tree Benefit Calculator. It'll take you 15 seconds to figure out whatever tree in your yard is giving back to you. Give us a run through how that works when you get there. Go on the site, put in your zip code. Put in the type of tree. You can get them through common names. You don't have to have the Latin names. Put in the diameter of the tree. Plug in, is it in your yard? Is it on a commercial site? Whatever, and he'll calculate. Simple and fun to do. We can actually tell the dollar amount that tree in your properties returning back to you every year. Yeah. If you and I have cookie cutter houses and you have trees and I don't, then you're going to get more money for your house than I get from my house. And yours is going to sell quicker than mine is. And if you have trees in downtown areas, you get more customers who spend more time in the shop and spend more money. That's actually been a study, right? Yes, absolutely. What about less crime? Yes, because people think that you're paying attention. Of course, you have more people out downtown. They assume that you are paying attention to your trees and you're kind of no-nonsense. Projects pride. We're going to take care of our trees in our downtown. That tree calculator, is that where we can calculate the ecosystem benefits or is there a calculator for that? National Tree Benefits Calculator is kind of per tree. There is public no-charge software called iTree, it's I-T-R-E-E, where you can calculate canopy coverage and the benefits of that. They have a whole bunch of different things that you can do. There's iTree Design, where you can decide if you want to lower your heating bill. It can actually tell you where to put a tree on your property, what kind of tree to put, and what you can expect in savings. It's a little bit complicated to use. They can also call me or probably my boss, who's really good at this, who can give them some information relative to their location. You say your boss, are you talking about with the Georgia Forestry Commission or somebody else? Talking about Seth Hawkins, who is our community forester. We're in Georgia, but I would think other states would have that also, where they have a community forester, and that's a valuable person to know for trees. Mm -hmm. Usually it's the forestry commission, whatever the state is, and they normally have an urban forestry division or community assistance forestry program because urban forestry is the up and coming thing. Why do you think that is? Because I think people are starting to understand that number one, trees aren't just beautification. Number two, it's not just timber harvest that forests go out and look at, but that we're looking at trees as a system. I can tell you that as an arborist, 17 years ago, whenever I started, we looked at individual trees. And now we're starting to look at them as part of the bigger picture. It is a system. Trees talk to each other. Trees work together to do some really great things. Urban forestry is really an up-and-coming field. When I say urban forestry, a lot of people say city trees. Yeah. Urban forest is a small town like mine. What are the trees in our community doing? It doesn't have to do with just a city. It has to do with trees in a community or a location. Urban can be kind of misleading, which is one of the reasons that the Georgia Urban Forestry Council went from being the Georgia Urban Forestry Council to being the Georgia Tree Council, because it was misleading. Basically, the trees that we interact with every day versus the trees that are, are harvest or just the what I'd call the woods. Correct. And it's how they all work together and how they get together to improve a community. So it's not just one tree. It's all the trees put together. We were talking about 
development and that sort of thing. If you have an acre of pavement and you don't have any trees on an acre of pavement, in one inch of rain, you will put about 30,000 gallons of water into your stormwater system. So you look at all the pavement that we get on the average of 80 inches of rain a year. Think about how much that costs the city and the taxpayers in order to process that amount of water. Plus, you're taking all the pollutants from that parking lot and pumping it in the streams. Exactly. Yes. So it's water quality as well. The other thing that's changed now, yes, we understand that trees do certain things, but we're also trying to understand the importance of understory plantings because what comes from the sky is one thing. What rolls down the hill from Farmer John's cow pasture needs to be caught as well. In Jefferson, we have a tree bank. And the tree bank, that consists of funds that are required of developers. Money goes into a fund that doesn't go away at the end of the year. That money is to help maintain our canopy. Things that that money can be used for would be planting of trees, maintenance of trees, education to the community, but also environmental projects of which trees have an integral part. That money could be used for something that deals with trees in addition to erosion control, to riparian buffers, that sort of thing, to help with water quality, air quality. Trees are now seen as being part of that whole environmental system, not just standalone tree stuff. The tree bank, that's where a developer maybe cannot put in the amount of trees that are required on a property. The alternative to that is they contribute dollars into this tree bank, which is funds that then are used to enhance trees in the community. Exactly. Is that money spent just on government property or private property, or how is that spent? We're kind of in flux right now. Right now, it's for government property. But now we're saying that we have been blessed by having, because of growth, a pretty good bank account there. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about going back to trees on private property. If you have a boys and girls club and they want to do a playground, we're working on giving scholarships to that so that they will have trees, even though it's private property, Mm -hmm. but is accessed by a lot of people. The tree baits, where we give people money back in order to plant trees, that comes from the tree bank because now instead of being on a commercial property, we've given it back to the community. And quite frankly, we have had wonderful luck with people taking care of their trees. We also have ordinances that protect the canopy on development properties. We do a lot of inspections. We're pretty particular about what you're going to plant and how you're going to plant it. And we're going to make sure you do. And if you don't, we're going to make you do it again. That's on the commercial properties, industrial properties? Any commercial development. So you're enforcing your ordinances then. You're not just letting them plant them and forget about them. Mm -mm. If you look at our ordinances, Arborist gets involved when the plan comes in. We have a specific approved species list that says that these are things you can plant. We rate them according to even their firewise rating. Then when the trees come in before they're planted, we're going to inspect them. Not because we want to be the tree police, but because we want them to be successful in what they're planting. And we want the community to be successful in the benefits. Then we look at how they've planted them. Did they planted them according to best practices, which is pretty easy to do. You can do it the right way, do it the wrong way, but the right way is just as easy as the wrong way. So we're going to go back and we're going to make sure that they were planted appropriately. And then in the next year or two, we will make spot inspections. Again, not to be the tree police 
But if you are a business owner, you don't necessarily know that there's something going on with that tree that could potentially make you lose your bond because the tree is going to fail in the first year or two. So we want to be helpful. Before they get a CO, we want to make sure that all the trees are there and that they're healthy. They've been well taken care of and everybody's happy and we are good to go. You've got these trees that are going in to the development. Are you calculating by this tree, this size, or is how does that, how do you determine that you're getting the tree canopy back? We used to do what we called TDUs, tree density units, all right? And that way we counted sticks, the number of the trees that were going in. Now we are looking at two things. Number one, what trees do they want to maintain on site? Because they get extra credit for trees that are maintained as long as they are good and healthy trees. We look at future growth. So that if you have to have a tree canopy of a certain percentage, a large canopy tree will give you credit of like 1,600 square feet based upon what we expect it to be in about six to eight years. A medium canopy tree might be 900 square feet of credit. We look at the development site. How much canopy do you need? What are you going to put in there? And we give them kind of credit going forward for what we expect that canopy to be. Because, you know, if the tree has survived two years, there's a really good chance it's going to go ahead and survive. After two years, nobody's holding the developer accountable. In six years, what it's supposed to be, it's just everybody's assuming that it will be. We find that if you have a a number one quality tree has been planted correctly, it's been taken care of for that first two years, it's probably going to be okay. We had one site, and I will not give you the name of this company, who wanted to expand and they were going to produce vehicles. The landscaper who was supposed to contact us ahead of time just kind of blew us off. So we went in for the CO because they wanted to start making vehicles Monday and this was on a Thursday. And we looked at trees and they were terrible trees. They were just awful. And we said, no, you're going to pull them up and you're going to put in first quality trees. And we looked at other trees that they had planted. They had done a terrible job of planting those trees. It still had the basket, the wire, the strapping in the ground with the trees. And we said, "Mm -mm, you're going to pull them up. You're going to do it again. There was something else. But anyway, we basically said, call us when you have it done. A couple of weeks before they could actually start producing their product. I went to the city manager and I said, we probably need to be seeing if Walmart has jobs for door greeters because I think we're going to be out of a job. Well, he said, no, we are going to enforce these ordinances. And then we got a letter from their corporate headquarters. And we thought, well, this is it. No, they said, thank you. This is why our trees always fail. I went out to the job site maybe a year ago. And this job took place probably six or seven years ago. And of the 125 trees that we made them replace, they've only lost five. Hmm. And they are tickled to death. Well, it's all those other benefits we were talking about. Yes. More productivity and all the others. You look at a parking lot, which you re-slurry about every seven years if you don't have trees. You have trees, you're talking about maybe 14 to 21 years before you have to re-slurry those parking lots. Now tell us what re-slurry means. Uh, Redo them. Put a sailor on it. Yeah, put the new coating on it. If you could design a parking lot, how would you design it for trees and maximum benefits to the parking lot? I am a big proponent of pervious parking, which is a little bit more expensive. Okay. Tell us what that is. Pervious means that the water goes through it. Okay. Whether it's gravel, whether it's one of these new concrete systems where the water percolates down through it. And they make concretes now. They make tiles. They make gravel. 
There are ways to let the water seep versus run off. Plus, you know, it's capturing a lot of the chemicals that would otherwise be in your water system. That's benefiting the trees, and you're also dealing with stormwater, so you're not pumping that stormwater into the streams. If you were redesigning a parking lot, you would just make it all pervious. What else? You want shaded parking lots? combination of trees and pervious pavement would be the solution. When I think tree islands, I think of the disasters I see around my community. And it's basically little bitty eight by eight patches that are trying to support this huge oak tree or something. Oh, yeah. Large canopy tree needs 900, 1200 cubic feet of soil. Some of that has to be on the surface. Your roots only go down 12 to 18 inches. You want something underneath there, whether they are alleys, whether they are tree wells, whatever, that can accommodate those roots. All kinds of things out there now. It's a little pricey, but if you want your trees to live, because a downtown tree only lives, what, maybe 10 years? But if you want them to have some longevity, then it's worth the investment. It seems like they get stunted in the little small space. They probably weren't ever planted correctly, and so they're just sitting there suffering, and they're never giving you that shade benefits that you were looking for. And those roots are just girdling, and here comes the storm, and there goes the tree. They don't have any structure. There are ways to make it work. Well, would you expand on that? I just think with the new research that's coming out, the ways that people did it in the olden days, we have so much great information now that says that if you want trees, this is what's going to cost you. And I use this with city councils all the time. We want money for this tree project. And they say, what, for a bunch of pretty trees? And we're like, no, let's look at the payback down the road. So you make this investment now, we will get you your money back. I think that that is the thing is to teach people, make the investment now and look what you're going to recoup later on. But, you know, it's a, it's it can be very expensive from the get go. But take a 36 inch white oak on a city street that is putting three hundred and forty something dollars a year back into the pocket of the city. When you are able to calculate how much money that tree is calculating. Give it a thousand bucks now to do the proper planting, to put in the impervious surface or the pervious surface, maybe soil cells, whatever. But within three or four, five, ten years, you've got your money back. How does the city see that back in their pocket? They have to look long term. They have to look beyond just canopy and stormwater. They have to look at downtown. How many more people is it bringing in? You're getting more rents for properties that are being rented. You get a higher rent, get more customers. The merchants are making more sales, so you're making more in sales tax. It's just really a question of educating the elected officials. Your tax digest is higher then because your real estate's more valuable. Oh, absolutely. I think a city councilman or a county commissioner could understand that. There are a lot of things right now that we need to educate people about. It can be win-win, and that is my goal, is to make it all win-win. In my opinion, the ordinances need some work. There are some struggles from up here in Franklin County. Everybody thinks that we are just country and we don't get it trying to bring in some interesting developments, and we're getting smart enough to say no. I've heard the term white-collar tree and a blue-collar tree. What does that mean? White-collar tree is a pretty face and a pretty place doing its little corporate job of providing shade and beauty. Blue-collar tree means it has a job. It means that it is intercepting runoff. 
It is protecting the riparian buffers. It is protecting children on playgrounds from that awful sun, which, believe it or not, we can predict their skin cancer probability in later years. So a blue-collar tree has a job. It just doesn't sit there looking nice. We should be looking at our trees as blue-collar trees and not white-collar trees. Yes. In my opinion, the beautification is kind of collateral to the job that the tree actually does. Now, there are times when beautification is the focus because maybe in a downtown area, you want a beautifully tree-lined street. Because all the good things that the tree does, as far as bringing in retail, that sort of thing. But every tree needs to have a job. I like that. Every tree needs a job. Yep. They need to be multitaskers, too, I think. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And they are. I mean, we haven't talked about the wildlife benefits of them. Think about clear cutting. All right. So now you have all these trees that have simply high canopies because they don't have taper. They don't have structure. They are just sails in the wind. So now they're all vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And think about this. Where are the deer going to go? They're going to come and eat your azaleas because there's nothing left for them to eat. Where are the rats going to go? The rats are going to come into your garage. And who's going to eat the rats? It's going to be the snakes. Mm -hmm. The wildlife is very important. You think about all the native species that are going to be run out. And now that leaves us open to all the invasives. Wildlife is a big part of it when it comes to clear cutting. Then you have all the beneficial insect populations being displaced and habitats for reproduction of those same beneficial insects, not to mention the ecological services that are being lost. It's a balance. Forestry has always looked at trees as a community, a system. People don't necessarily think of them that way. They think of them as just trees, pretty trees. They do not understand the ecology of the tree community. How do you change a community's attitude toward the trees? With the Georgia Forestry Urban Forestry Program, which Mark and I are a part of, we're just out there. We are a face. You go to the grocery store and everybody says, hey, you came and talked to my homeowners association or you wrote an article for the newspaper. It's visibility. The city of Jefferson just celebrated year 12 of their foliage festival because it is a festival that deals with the environment. Just start talking about it. We have Tree City USA where you're celebrating trees. We talk about Firewise, which is also very important teaching people what you plant, where you plant it, what's invasive, what's going to work, pretty much just kind of boots on the ground. It's connecting with the community. What is Tree City USA? Tree City USA is through the Arbor Day Foundation. There are four things that cities need to have in order to be a tree city. They need to have ordinances. They need to have either a department or a tree board that looks after the trees. You have to do a proclamation every year that celebrates trees. You have to be spending $2 per capita per year on trees. And that can be anything from brush pickup to tree purchases to tree maintenance, anything that has to do with taking care of the canopy in your community. So what's an ideal canopy? I mean, what's the target? What percentage should we try to shoot for? It it depends. Here in Northeast Georgia, we probably average 50 to 55% canopy. 
Whereas in the more municipal areas, it can be down to 35 to 40. One of the targets for municipal areas is to have a canopy of at least 40%. I live in a community where primarily the downtown historical area is water oak and pecan. The water oaks are maturing and dying off and How would you get a community excited about refreshing their canopy and bringing on new trees? I think it's important that we educate people on the importance of the trees, not only for their own property, but for the community. We provide incentives for people to plant trees. I think we need to talk about diversity and staggered plantings so that we have a good combination of trees. We have sustainability as regards the maintenance of our tree canopy because you just don't want to plant and then they die and then you plant some more. You want to keep it going. Basically, education. You want people to buy into it because if they have an issue and trees are going to take care of that issue, you want to educate them as to the fact that this is your solution and then they act accordingly by planting trees. My main thing in the next couple of years is to work on this I-85 corridor to make sure that we have a good balance of canopy, agriculture, industry, growth. This does not have to be win-lose. We need to make it win-win and we can make it win-win and canopy I think is the answer. That's what I'm working for. How did you get interested in trees? I don't know. I grew up in Maine. I've always loved trees. I moved to Georgia to a farm, and I've always loved trees. I was actually started out as a parole officer, and I had about five years that I did not have to work, and it was like, what do you really want to do when you grow up? And it was like trees. So I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. There was something about them that attracted you? Oh, absolutely. I don't know what it is. They just put a spell on you. I think so, yeah. (laughs) I hate pine trees, though. Pine trees get a lot of abuse. (laughs) Why do you think pine trees get so much hatred? You know, I don't know. They, I mean, yeah, they give us pine needles, but I think people look at them more as being a commodity. Cut them down, you make paper, you make boards, whatever. And I don't know that people see the beauty of pines. And I think that when you look at the diversity of the other species, I think they're just much more appealing. You think there's more fear in a pine tree than there is an oak tree? No. I have pine trees and I have hardwoods all over my woods and I don't worry about the pine trees falling. I just think they're kind of boring. They don't have the personality of other trees. They don't have the form. What do you wish people would do differently in regards to trees? I wish that they would do their homework, put the right tree in the right place by figuring out what do they want that tree to do. Figure out the purpose of the tree, pick the right tree, plant it properly and maintain it during those first few years of infancy and adolescence until it can become a grown-up of its own. What is your most valuable tree or garden mistake? I had a house in Jefferson, and the lot was bare, and I planted all these trees because I was working in a tree farm at the time, and you could take home whatever you wanted. And then I had to do a presentation for the Jackson County Extension Office on planting trees in your landscape. One of the big things is making sure it's the right tree, right place, properly spaced. I made a map of my yard and I realized that, oh my gosh, I have absolutely overplanted and half these trees are going to come out. Do you have a funny plant garden tree story? 
funniest story is that I spent some time living in Williamsburg, Virginia, and they had Bradford pears, and they were absolutely gorgeous, and I knew nothing about trees back then. So I went, and I bought a whole bunch of Bradford pears, and I planted them four feet from the basement wall, six feet apart. And all I can say is, thank God we moved, because I know those people are still cussing me to this day. In your professional career, who's been your biggest influencer? The Georgia Forestry Commission Urban Forestry Program, because they are the ones who changed my thinking into trees as beautification and fun and nice into looking at the importance of these trees as actually having a job and all the things that these trees can do for communities. I work with communities all over Northeast Georgia, and it is so wonderful to be able to take the message to them. So wonderful working with the boots on the ground. It is so wonderful working with the electric membership corporations. It's wonderful working with the first responders to say, let's take a look at these trees along your critical route. Maybe averting a storm and a tree hits a power pole. The Georgia Urban Forestry Group has been amazing. They've just been amazing. What have you recently learned that you didn't know regarding trees? If you dig a hole to put in a tree, the soil you take out of the hole is the soil you put back in. And people feel very guilty because you're putting that red clay back into the hole. But you have to put it back into the hole because if you make that planting hole too nice, it's like being too good to your children. They'll never leave home and the roots will just stay there. You throw some earthworms in there and they become the little carpenters who make the holes that the roots can go through. That was an eye-opener. And then working with the electric membership corporations, these guys through Mike Benton down at their training center in Forsyth want these guys to all become certified arborists so that they can make the best decisions that they can make when they're out there in the field. That'd be a big step. They're committed to it. They have a lot of contractors just to be involved. Mark and I just finished up a class earlier in March with a bunch of their employees, and they want them to make good decisions when it comes to trees because it's a public relations thing as well as a safety thing. And they are very committed to getting their guys up to snuff on tree practices. Now, is this statewide or is this just in a certain area? All of the electric membership corporations, and there are a bunch of them in the state, and Mike Benton down in Forsyth is their training coordinator. So we've been working with them. I'd like for you to complete this statement. In my garden, I have. I have trees and I have shrubs. I do not have grass. A lot of native plants, wildlife. This property that I'm on was abandoned for 29 years. So I am trying to bring it back to life and keep the natives and trying to make it look like something. If it comes up, it comes up and I keep it or I get rid of it. What have you learned in last season that you're applying this year? What I've learned is a section at a time. You can't do it all. Focus on an area, make that what I want it to look like, and then move on to section B. What's your favorite plant? When it comes to hardwoods, black gums. When it comes to conifers, deodor cedar, and daffodils. Heritage plants that I get from people, other neighbors. It's an old city. Pass along plants are probably my favorite because they all have a story. You got a favorite story with one of your plants? I have some irises that go back to my late husband's family. They're irises that came from England back in the early to middle 1800s. They've been on the family farm. I keep dividing them and I keep sending them to people that I know all over the world. And they're like, please don't send me any more irises. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have enough. So yeah, I think the irises... (laughs) 
Susan, tell us how people may connect with you. They are welcome to contact me through my email, which is arborvitals at bellsouth.net. Phone number is 706-201-7893 or through the Georgia Tree Council. This has been Episode 54, Trees, Your Ultimate Win-Win with Susan Russell. Thank you, Susan. You're tremendous. The goal is that every episode is valuable and well worth your time. Please generously share the Garden Question podcast with your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Check out our website, thegardenquestion.com, for links, resources, and where you can listen to every episode again and again. You will not want to miss a weekly episode, so please subscribe to the Garden Question podcast with Craig McManus on your favorite listening app. Keep on designing, building, and growing a smarter garden that works.